Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Stop being such helicopter parents. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I guess I won't have any more beer tonight. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I know, Mom. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Hey, loser, stop coddling your kid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week marks the third anniversary of our show, Margaret. I'm just going to right out of the box say happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I feel so much (laughs) love in the air, Amy. It's our anniversary. I didn't even get you flowers. What is the third anniversary? I should have looked up like it's paper, like granite, pearls. I don't know. I should have looked that up. I, of all people, should have had that ready to go. You should have had that at your fingertips. Well, happy anniversary. Thanks for listening for three years. That's exciting. Thanks, guys. On our third anniversary, we invite you to go tell a friend about the What Fresh Hell podcast. This would be a great opportunity to be like, come to the party, tell them to join the group, invite them to join the group, tell them about the show, share a link, do it to say happy anniversary to us. We have one listener who was just saying on Facebook yesterday that she tends to pepper her conversation with, you know, we were just talking about that on this podcast that I like to listen to. They were just saying, and, you know, do that, do that for our third anniversary. We'd love that. Pepper in your conversations, guys. This week, we're going to talk about when we should and shouldn't rescue our kids. This is sort of rescue me. uh, Yeah. What is that? That's been in my head ever since. um, Is that Aretha Franklin? Rescue me. I want your tender heart. Something like that. I'm sure I sound just like Aretha Franklin when I sing it. (laughs) Madonna also has a rescue me. So did the Black Crows. These are all oldie locks alerts, though. Back in my day. Sorry, guys. We're old. But rescuing kids, very few people have pop songs about. No, and it's a sort of like, this is always like on a low bubble on my stovetop, right? Should I or shouldn't I rescue or have rescued kid A, B, or C from the thing that they're in? My kids are 11, 15, 16, and, you know, the things you're rescuing them from are on a sliding scale for sure, but it doesn't go away. Yeah, mine are 7, 9, and... 11. I'm trying. I'm highly anti-rescue. That's my overall point of view. Well, that's interesting because we have talked a little bit about this in different episodes along the way. And you are, as a child, the kid who forgot her lunch a lot, right? That was you. And you're, I'm telling your story now, but it seems to me the story was you always forgot your lunch. The nun told your mother, stop bringing your lunch, then she'll remember. And so your mom stopped bringing your lunch and you did not remember. Is that the end of the story? Well, yeah, except for the only detail is that my mom didn't really stop bringing my lunch, but whether or not she had, like, I am a super disorganized person, as are at least one of my children, probably two. And I do, I have, as different consequences came up in my life, gotten more organized. And I'm now in my middle aged, rapidly heading towards my dotage. I do not like to live in the kind of chaos that I was more comfortable with as a younger person. And so as a result, I've got more organized. Like I used to just be like 
pig pen, basically, like papers <laughs> flying and keys. And I think pig pen is an old deluxe alert. <laughs> Back in my day. It probably is from Charlie Brown. There's like the kid who like lives in like the cloud of dust. Like I wasn't dirty, but I was just a whirling dervish. My mom used to always call me the whirling dervish. Like I just trailed wherever I went, like papers and pens and oh my God, where's my, I now like in have a professional life and I have an existence and I have kids and I don't really like the sensation. I think I have enough anxiety in my life that I want a little bit more control over the chaos. Otherwise, I feel so nervous all the time. But here's a secondary question for you. Did you ever like it or did it just, it wasn't like, I love this feeling of chaos. It just was, it didn't seem like chaos to you or it, it just seemed insurmountable to do anything about? What was your relation to it? I'm going to lay a little Peggy Martin wisdom on you, okay? This one's a, a knowledge bomb, so prepare yourself. My mother, who worked as a therapist for her life, would often say, and I think it's a very interesting thing to think about in one's life. No one is in a situation where they are not getting their needs met. So like it applies to a million situations. You can have some needs that are not healthy for you, but you're not in a situation where you're not getting your needs met. Yeah, I get this. This is a Dr. Phil says it's working for you. Like something about this is working for you. I wouldn't be doing it yet. It's working for you. Let's stay with my mom other than Dr. Phil. My God, just joking, Amy. But yeah, it's working for you. And so to some degree that I would take 80 years of psychoanalysis to understand, it must have been working for me because I lived in it for a really long time. And so did I enjoy the chaos? I don't know that I would have ever said I did, but like I was getting some need met. Like, I don't know what it was like, maybe just the thrilling feeling of it. I don't understand that very much, but I do believe that like it was so deep in my DNA, like being disorganized and I'm still extremely disorganized, but I've just put a series of checklists. I have a kid who really struggles with like remembering what homework to bring home. And then it's a lot of drama and a lot of chaos every single night, which is like, I forgot it. I'm going to be in trouble. Blah, 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 blah. And his teacher came up with a visual checklist, like it sits on his desk and like he has to check it every day with like an erasable pen, you know, like, have you gotten your folder out? Have you put it in your backpack? Like the six steps to getting your homework home every night. And that is where I think like that kind of rescuing, which is like, I'm going to put support systems in that help you overcome your natural tendency. I have another kid who has never forgotten anything ever. Well, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, this is like you will have a kid who either needs constant rescuing or never rescuing. I mean, there are certain kids like this and they need the support. Let's start with Jamie's question because we're kind of semi answering it. But I want to give a shout out to Jamie because I, we love when people give us topic suggestions. And this was Jamie. So Jamie said, please talk about taking your kids forgotten backpack, book, project, whatever to school. I've actually taken my kids to school to discover one of them didn't have shoes on. Like, that's easy. So Jamie's like, yeah, okay, that I get. We're going to go home and get the shoes. The other things I'm on the fence about, Jamie says. And so I come at this with one kid that I have to rescue all the time. And the other two, you know, I can count on one or two hands in their lifetimes. The thing about the forgetful, disorganized kid is I think there's this idea of like natural consequences. Like your mom doesn't bring your lunch. You know, you'll learn. You'll remember the next time you'll be hungry and you won't forget again. They won't or they might, but they might not. This like this natural consequences thing for kids with actual executive function issues, which has a name in 2019 and it didn't in the 80s. Now, I will say that like as the parent of a kid with executive function issues, it's the trajectory is flatter, right? Than other kids, maybe it's not non-existent. I mean, I had a, it was an extremely forgetful third grader who's now a kind of forgetful high schooler. You see what I'm saying? It just gets better slowly and with support, but the sort of, they'll learn the hard way. I don't know. I think the better answer, as you were saying, is to support it with, put scaffolding around it. Like Carolyn Dalgish has a great book about helping your, you know, disorganized kid. And I will put the uh, link up in the show notes. But she says, and I think about this all the time, what can you add? What can you take away? And so for this kid, as you were saying, who forgets homework. So in that case, you have what a checklist, what system have you put in place? 
So the teacher actually put the system in place, but the he's got something on his desk that he has to look at every day. And like, you know, maybe there's three kids in the room who have this thing on their desk. Like a lot of people don't need it. They just bring their homework home at night. But he, starting about probably 2.30, if the bell rings at 2.55, starts to get incredibly excited about the idea that the school day is ending and like every other thought leaves his head, right? So like, he's like, I can't wait to put on my funny hoodie and go out and play soccer with my friends. Like he's way out of school by 2.25. So that when the packup process starts at 2.45, like he's not, (laughs) we have a phrase that comes up sometimes, not available to learn. It means like your kid is like, you know, ADD or has other issues and they are not available to learn. And it's a phrase that I sometimes say to my husband. I'm like, he's like, you know, when you put the garbage cans by the side of the house and I'm like, honey, I am not available to learn right now. So please let's have this conversation at a different time. It's a very useful phrase. It's like in The Shining, right? When he's like, he's not here right now, Mrs. Torrance. Like, He's not here right now, Mrs. Torrance, is the problem with like my kid when they try to teach him about the Aztecs and my other kid when he tries to remember homework because he is not available right now. He is busy in his mind kicking a soccer ball on the playground. But at the same time, if the flip side of that is like, well, natural consequences, you didn't bring your homework home, you get an F. It's like, okay, he's going to fail out of school. Like there is no natural consequence that is like, he'll just start being a kid who remembers, like it doesn't work. So right, the shame and the fear are not necessarily productive. When I want to say like prods to these kids to get their act together, could get their act together, they would. Yeah, it turns out guys that we've learned in 2019, that shame and fear don't really work very well to make anyone better at things. Like that's just an overall takeaway. Like doesn't work with like helping, you know, overweight people become thin. It doesn't help disorganized people become organized. Shame and fear is just not the way to go. And so not surprisingly, I think the nuns back in the day were shame and fear was pretty high on their checklist of pretty available in their toolbox. So the idea of like, let her starve and she'll learn. It turns out that's not really good advice. Yeah, but that's happening on Facebook. I feel like I see that like on Facebook every other week, like the you know, this scrawled sign left at the front desk, like turn right around parents. Don't you bring that lunch or tie, like start letting your kids grow up and stop being such hovering helicopter parents, like this hugely judgmental thing. I think that's the problem with this. Like, oh, your kid forgot his lunch again. Oh dear. He's going to be hungry. And, you know, I live less than a mile from school. I live in New York City, so I'm probably going to walk or take the bus, but it's not that big a deal if I'm home. And if it is a big deal, then I won't go. But to pile on top of it, like the shame of the like, geez, should I have brought the lunch? Like the fact that this is something we have to like engage with and worry about and wonder if we're doing the right thing. It's because all that shame and stuff is now turned on us. Because once again, mom, you made the wrong decision in this case, as if there's a wrong decision to make. Yeah. And it's funny because I said earlier, like I'm anti-rescuing, but I'm actually not. This is the thing. I think when you pick individual examples. Like, should you bring your kids lunch five days a week? No, you should not. But the solution to that, it's not a binary choice. It's not like the solution to that is kid goes hungry every day. I mean, both of my boys, if they skip lunch, they're not available to learn in the afternoon. You know what I mean? And so like, I might as well just go pick them up. Like, there's no way if they skip lunch that they're getting anything out of history class at two o'clock that afternoon. There's no way. But it's the question that Jackie asks is the way that we frame the question, which is like, if you show up with a lunch at the front desk, there's going to be a sign that's like, hey, loser, stop coddling your kid. That's not the only choice. Like, go ahead and bring the lunch, whatever. My kid gets out of the car at least once a month because he sees a friend or something and he jumps out of the car excitedly and we keep driving. And a half a block later, we're like, he doesn't have his backpack. He just jumped out with that. He got excited. And it's like, dude, you bring your backpack every day. But This is not how the brain works. Like, it's not a personal moral failing that he forgot his backpack. We stop the car and often hand it to like somebody there and we're like, ah, he forgot his backpack again. Ha ha. They get it, you know. But if it became an everyday problem, I would put a sign on the back of the headrest that said backpack. If it still was a problem, I would give him a pen and be like, you have to put this check 
in as we're driving up the hill every day. Like, it's not a binary choice of like, am I coddling or am I not? It's like, how can I solve this real problem without just being the solution myself? How can I give my child the gift of helping to figure out how to solve this problem? The system, right? You have to put a system in place. Yeah. And that's helping without rescuing. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about one example of a system you could put in place, how it would work. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, you're back. Lay your system on me, Amy. I want to give a shout out to Dr. Michael Thompson. He writes a lot about raising boys. Oh, we've talked about him before. Who knows what he's doing, that Dr. Michael Thompson. Yeah, I mean, his work is really great. And let's just make a huge generalization that if you have the kid that's forgetting the backpack a couple of days a week and the going without shoes, it is often, although not always, a boy. And so his work centers a great deal on how to address this issue. So he says, you know, you need to stop rescuing them after they forget and start helping them create a system so they remember. And again, the, as you were saying, the word backpack on the back of the headrest is not, it's a system that's put in place and you're probably taping the sign up there, but then you're out of it, right? That's a, you're putting a support in place for your kid to remember that isn't, did you remember? Did you forget? Did you, it's not you. So he says, For the kid who's forgetting stuff, if you're driving your kid to school, when they get in the car, say, do you have everything? Make them show you the shoes, the cleats, the water bottle, the math homework. Remind your kid that you're not going to be coming back today. And then, you know, say, just give them a chance to check everything, show you they have it. They'll be resistant. They'll be, oh, and just stay calm and say, because I'm not coming back today. So you need to make sure. And just from personal experience, When they're like, why do you have to remind me? If you get into like, because you forget, it doesn't make it any better. I would just get out of that. I've been, I'm having one of those real tailspin weeks where like I'm rising every bait and stuff. Like, and one of the things is this thing of like, I know mom. And I'm like, oh, you know, well, let me bring out these 76 pieces of evidence about how you clearly don't know. And that doesn't go well, just to let you know. And the other thing I will say is that as your kids get older, you know, they have to have these systems. You encourage them to put a system in place. You know, as they get older, it's sort of like, I think, wow, this is a lot. When they get older, they have an eight day schedule. And, you know, on Tuesdays and every other Monday, they'll need their biology textbook, but they won't every Wednesday. Like that kind of craziness starts to happen. 
in middle school and high school. My kid has put in place a system where he brings absolutely everything, every book, every notebook back and forth to school every day. This backpack is backbreaking. Like you can't believe the poundage that is being transported back and forth to school every day. But that is this kid's system. I might forget something, but I won't if I have everything. Right. And that's his system. So I'll have it all. And that's good for him. Like he's found a way that works. We have our school system and it was like too much rending of garments and gnashing teeth went to the six day schedule this year, starting at kindergarten. So we have A, B, C, D, E, and F days versus Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because the theory behind it being we have a lot of snow and we have a lot of Monday holidays. So like any class that only happened on Mondays, like if it's music class, you miss 14 of them during the year, as opposed to, you know, a a class happens on Friday that you never miss or whatever it happens to be. So they went to this six day schedule And I actually really like that you started in kindergarten because it used to, even for my older guy, it started in middle school. And it was like, when I got to it, I was like, this seems terrifying. Like, what is this horrible thing? But we, and I will put a picture up on the website. Last year, I had a plastic folder thing that you could put a piece of paper in that you could see. So I had one that I printed them out, A, B, C, D, E, F, and I would just change it every morning. So the back of the front door of our house has a giant letter in it every morning. So it shows the kids like it's a day. And then right under that, every kid's schedule is there. So on a day, this one has gym, this one has music, this one has, and it is not exactly appealing as the front door of our home, but like it works. And so then this year, my husband, who is a bit of a one-upper made wheel so that the wheel turns with the letters on it and like there's a window. So like you spin it like, you know, kaleidoscope and then the correct letter shows. And, but basically like it is that thing of like, we are trying rather than getting the call that's like, it's B day and I'm supposed to have my library book. And my kids are horrible library book forgetters. And I'm also a horrible permission slip forgetter. Like we're a hot mess. It's not great. But it just puts the onus on them. Like, look up. Okay, it's B-Day. B-Days, I have gym. Am I wearing sparkly high heel shoes? That is not going to work for gym. Okay, I got to go change my shoes. Like, that's it. You put in their path, the solutions. And then if they blow it every once in a while, you go and bring them the right shoes. I'm fine with it. As long as you're not there every day. It's like someone gives the example of like, the kid spills milk at the table. It's like, no more milk for you. You need to be more careful with your milk. Like, wait, if you did that, would you be like, I guess I won't have any more beer tonight. I guess I'm just going to have to be punished. Like, no, people make mistakes, but you just can't allow the mistakes to be like my, it's teach them to fish versus giving them a fish. Right. And I think you can take out this, like, aren't you a terrible mother that you're bringing their baseball uniform because they forgot? Like, I don't know. Let's talk about rescuing your kid from a situation because that's another, this is a second listener question. And I think it's like a higher stakes version of a similar question. So Anne-Marie said on the Facebook page, I think this is actually in our Facebook group, which is even better than the page because people can talk to each other, can post things and ask questions. So Anne-Marie said, how do you guys feel about this? That she picked her kid up early from a sleepover because the kid wanted to come home for whatever reasons and got like guff from people. So another parent said to her that she shouldn't do that, that she was coddling her kid. And she was like, you know, so part one is like, why would you do that? Like, shut up, but was sort of internalizing like, but did I do the right thing? Like, should I? So it's obviously uncool for a parent to call out another parent. And I hope it didn't happen like in front of the kid, although it might have. But she wanted to know, how do you know for yourself when it's okay to pick your kid up from a sleepover? Oh, it's okay to pick them up from a sleepover whenever they call and say they want to be picked up. That's how you know it's okay because they called you. Like the bigger skill to me is knowing when you feel uncomfortable in a situation and calling home. That's the more desirable skill than like sit there and feel really weird and stay all night. Now, I'm not saying this kid felt weird at the sleepover because something was amiss. They probably felt weird because they were scared. But like, I think that's crazy. But I do think what has happened is like the reality of like the helicoptering, the over-involvement that we kind of have in our children's lives is pretty real. There is something there. 
it's like we're trying to fix it in the wrong ways. Like going and picking your scared kid up at the sleepover, totally fine. I've done it. I've had kids happen. I often am like, come try to stay. But if you freak out, like, give me a call. And like, I realize a part of the sleepover is that like at 3 a.m. I may have to make a call or I may have to go get them. Like, it's fine. It's part of the deal. Or you're the parent. Our last sleepover at 1 a.m. I was awakened by a kid who wanted me to call her parents and like she went home. Yeah, on either side. You might be the waker or the wakey, but like someone's getting woken up probably if you have a sleepover. That one I just don't identify with at all because I feel like telling your kid like, hey, it's okay to call me is fine. Way different from like, I'm sick every time there's a math test or I sign up for a team and I don't want to be on it. Like, yeah, like I don't understand what the goal of you have to make it till, you know, 6 a.m. at the sleepover, like what that has to do with life achievement or why anybody would think you shouldn't take home a kid who wants to go home. (laughs) That's kind of a crazy example, but I get what they're getting at. We're having an issue right now where one of my kids is on a new schedule and needs to be at school a half an hour early. And we have been late pretty much every single day because it's really, really hard for this kid to get up in the morning and get to school. And we're having a lot of trouble figuring it out. Like, I don't like starting the morning with like drama and tears and I don't want to go and I'm cold and it's too early. But I don't think it's acceptable for him to be late to school every single day. And so I understand on some level that the onus needs to be on him. And so he's kind of a rule follower kid. And I feel like some of the anxiety has been like, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. And I'm like, it doesn't really matter if you're late, but let's just blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I think I've been playing this wrong. Like, I think that's I'm rescuing him in certain degree being like, I'll tell them it's my fault that you're late, but just get your pants on. And I think I need to go back to the thing of like, this is your problem. I'm going to call the school and tell them if it's three lates is detention or whatever it is too bad. Go to detention. Like I am making this too much my problem that like, how am I going to get him to school and how am I? And it's like, you talk about this all the time and it's right. My kid will be miserable to me about getting to school. But if the school is like, you're late, he'll be like, I'm so sorry. Da, 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 da. You know, he doesn't want detention. He lives in fear of detention. And so that's where I think like, I'm coddling this thing of like, I can behave however I want in the morning because it's really hard for me to wake up. It is really hard for him to wake up harder than it is. And it's really hard for me to wake up. So I'm over sympathetic. But I think there's a real difference that we have to think about between like, my kid spilled his milk by accident. Oh, it happens. Help me clean it up. We'll get you another glass. My kid spilled his milk because he was roughhousing and I told him 10 times to stop. Different situation. My kid is scared at a sleepover and that's not on the same level at all. That's a different thing. My kid is going to school every day late because he is doing entire operatic performance about how horrible it is to get out of bed. Enough already, you know, like why am I engaging with this? Like either be late Or And it's hard. Like, he's 11. I'm driving him to school. So it does involve me to a certain degree. But, like, I think I just need to start getting in this car at 740 and being like, if you're not in the car, you're late for school. I'm ready to drive you. Otherwise, you're going to detention. Dr. Sarah Sarkis, who's a psychologist, talks about something called relationship with avoidance. It seems to me that this is kind of related to somebody asked her a question that was more about like my kid signed up for the soccer team and now he never wants to go. And like, should I make him go? And she talks about kids having a relationship with avoidance that can start to feel like a habit. So maybe, you know, there's a anxiety about going to school, right? That is like building up and it's starting to feel like a habit to this kid and that they start to rely on those habits with greater frequency. I mean, I remember I was so scared of my gym teacher in like for second, third grade that I would have like a stomach ache every Friday kind of thing. My mom got wise to it. It didn't get too far, but I did have a little relationship with avoidance there. And that's a situation where you can't start rescuing your kid every time, right? And this situation with the kid who signed up for soccer and didn't want to play, she said that what you need to do is have a plan ahead of time. Make sure you're on the same team with your partner, right? Neither one of us is going to say you don't have to stay if you don't want to, that kind of thing. And You have a plan with the kid ahead of time. This is like sleepaway camp. My kids go to sleepaway camp and all the sleepaway camps send you emails and letters and like, you know, symposiums ahead of time saying like, parents, here's what you don't do. Don't promise your kid that you'll come pick them up if they don't like it. Don't tell them that, right? Like, don't say, if you don't like it, it's fine. I'll rescue you. Don't give them that out. They will 
take it. And, you know, when you get the first letter, I hate it here, you can call and talk to us and see how they're doing. But do not promise your kid that at the first sign of discomfort, they can leave. Well, that's smart. That's a fair extrapolation from the sleepover one. Like the sleepover one, I don't have problems with. But yes, like I would say if your kid like can never go to a play date without getting picked up again, it's like one time is like, okay, you freaked out at the sleepover. But yes, like if you're seeing a pattern that like every time your child like can't participate in dance class, can't do anything because they are like, no, I just want to be with mommy. Like you got a problem. Like know when you've got a problem and fix it. And like sleepover campus is a great example of like, if everyone picked up their kid the first time their kid said they hated it, sleepaway camps would be empty. You know, like they would be a desolate island where no children were. Yeah. And the key is, of course, when you go pick up your kid at the end of the camp, they're so thrilled that they got through, you know, the valley of despair of I hated here. And then, of course, by the time you pick them up, they're like, I want to live here. And, you know, why are you here to pick me up? And this victory is huge and it's worth their having. Agree. All right. I have something else on this. We'll talk about it as soon as we get back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Welcome to the Why Is This News channel from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Bringing you news that's been making you ask, why is this news since the day you had kids? Hey, you guys, make sure you bring your dishes to the sink after dinner. Why do I have to clear the table? Because it's a day that ends in Y, dude. You always have to clear the table. Why is this news? Okay, kids, wrap up on screens. It's time for homework. What? Homework? Why? Yes, homework. Seriously, you have it every night. Why is this news? No walking on the couch. Since when? Since, uh, forever? Since the last 6,000 times I've said it? Why is this news? You have to wear pants to church. Every single time? Yes, every single time. Seriously, why is this news? Why is this news? 
This concludes today's broadcast from the Why Is This News channel. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. I think what we're coming to, Amy, is the distinction between like helping your kids and snow plowing things out of their way. That seems to be the divide. And like, that seems really clear to me in a way that it didn't when we first started talking about it. There's a difference between being like, your kid comes around an obstacle and you run over with a bulldozer and move the obstacle out of their way so they never have a moment of despair. And there's a difference between that and like, seeing the obstacle and sitting down with them and saying like, obstacle coming up, how are you going to handle this? Let me with my life experience help you. And then there's the metaphor to take it to its very end. Like maybe you're standing by the obstacle with like your hand out to give them a leg over, you know, like, and at certain points, all of those options are fine. I do think that like the idea that like we have to do everything for our kids, they can't do these, God forbid they ever face an obstacle. And by the way, this is a conversation that has been going on forever. We used to have a poster I don't know why it amused my parents so much. It was like in my mom's sewing room. It was a cutout from Life magazine. And it was a very proper looking mom with like a hippie-ish looking kid. And the hippie-ish kid was in a wheelchair and the very posh mom was pushing him. It was like a cartoon. And the tagline of the cartoon says, of course he can walk, but why would he have to when I'm here, basically? And so it was this idea of like hippies were the result of like super indulgent rich parents who did not want them to face a single obstacle, including having to walk. So they would just wheel them around. I don't even know why this cartoon appealed to my mom enough that she had it up, but like probably she had the same thing as me. I was like, I'm not a rescuer. I'm a tough mom, you know, whatever. I'm not a happy raiser. So like this idea of like parents are overindulging their children and like clearing the path for them. I feel like we think this is like 10 years old and it's not like people have been talking this way forever. Like moms either are like frozen monsters who create Norman Bates or they're like overindulgent people who have man babies. Like there's no in between and there's a ton of in between and you're probably fine. And we should try to tune out some of the noise that we're doing the wrong thing, whichever one we pick. Like, don't let like the other mom at the slumber party saying something snarky get under your skin. Although, of course, it will try not to let it get under your skin or determine the course of your parenting. Of course it will. And I think there's always been the like from the like my mom at pickup with like the curled lip thing of like the other moms think you're doing it wrong. And now it's like. A thousand articles that are like 62 things to never say to me when my kid acts up at the park. It's like, wait, what? Like every article is like, here's the 86 things you're doing wrong in reacting to any other fellow human being. But I think this one, we've pretty much got it. Like this is about, is this an obstacle my child can face? Push yourself on that one. I told a story recently, but like it's really stayed with me of my friend who lost her husband and her kids have had to really step up and do a lot of things by themselves. And her kid wanted to go to this camp. And the mom was like, I just do not have the bandwidth to figure that out. And the kid researched the camp, wrote away for forms, filled out all the forms, filled out all the medical information, somehow scanned it. I mean, this kid's 12 or 13 years old, scanned and faxed it to a doctor, got it back, like did it all by herself. And the camp director called my friend to be like, I've just got to tell you, this kid is amazing. And it's like, yes, it is amazing that they can do that, but that should not be that amazing. Like, you know, come on. Like our kids can be doing much, much more than we think they should be doing. And we can push them in that direction. And we can force ourselves to be like, wait, could this kid, if he's late, sure, it's two miles to school, but he could walk. Could this kid be doing their own laundry? Probably they could. Could this kid, you know, there's a lot of things your kids can be doing, but I don't think it comes down to the thing of like, I'm going to let my kids starve because they forgot their lunch because I'm not a rescuing parent. When Dr. Wendy Mogul was on our show, she talked about texts from your teenagers. And I want to talk about this a little bit because like the older kids, it gets complicated in a different way. She talked about texts from your kid and the ones you should and shouldn't respond to. So she said, if a text is joyous, right? Like I made the team respond right away. If the text is, mom, where's my jacket? Mom, you didn't pack me a snack. You know, oh, mom. mom, you didn't pack me a snack. My kids don't text yet. And let me say, I'm not looking for Yeah, that you don't respond to those. So I had this sort of perfect storm of this like rescuable situation. I was out of town last week and my kid 
This is a particularly New York-y type of situation, although I'm sure it has resonance for a lot of people with older kids who are listening. So he has to get himself to and from a soccer practice after school that's in a kind of remote location. And he was there and it was actually a game. And some kids got rides from their parents and the other team had a bus and he and two other freshmen, thank goodness they weren't alone, had to wait for a like a city bus for public transportation to come pick them up. Everybody left because they're at the bus stop. Fine. He texted me after they had been at this bus stop for almost an hour that the bus hadn't come, that it was getting dark, that they were getting a little scared and that these three freshmen in high school were there alone. And it happens to be in a part of New York City where like there are no options. He couldn't walk to a subway. There are no taxis. And I was out of town. And he was texting me to rescue him, right? And then I actually, in this case, couldn't rescue him. Eventually, of course, the bus comes. Did I mention this bus also stops at a mental hospital? And so now he's on the bus. And then he starts texting me that like a guy is bothering him on the bus. And then I'm like, what's happening now? What's happening now? Right? Eventually, he stops answering me. Well, it's because one of the kids he was with was like, give me your phone. Like, do not have your phone out on this bus. He made it home without me. And I probably did rescue him and that I was like, it's going to be okay. Let me know how you're doing. Like I was offering him emotional support, but it was kind of a situation my kid should not have been in. I was helpless to address it. And yet it still felt like it was something I was supposed to do something about. But it's probably like, it's good. I mean, that was an accidental thing. My friend who lost her husband, obviously, like would never want to be in that situation. But like, can you artificially create situations like that? Probably not. But like, that is a blessing, that situation. Like he and his friends will talk about that for four years. Like, oh my God, can you believe we did it? And like, there will be other situations. I have a friend who talks about this and I think about it a lot. Like she was in high school, whatever. She was got in a situation. I think she cut school. She was somewhere she wasn't supposed to be. They went to the house, this house where they weren't supposed to be. I think she was with her boyfriend. Like she was breaking like nine different rules and they locked the keys to the car in the house, whatever they did. And she said, she just sat down and she was like, I'm not going to be sitting on this curb forever. This works out somehow. I don't know how, but like, I'm not going to be in this situation forever. And that thought comes to me all the time. And that's just like a callus that builds up like that ability. And like your son had an experience that helped him build that thing of like, I'm not always going to be at this bus stop. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know it doesn't end with me dying at this bus stop. You know, like I know it doesn't end with me starving to death at this bus stop. I know it doesn't end with like me being yelled at by a mentally ill person on this bus forever. Like those are good experiences to have to help your kid. And I think I worry most about my kids being too sheltered. Like having it be too much every day is like wonderful. And I find the discussions I have with my kids school are like, let my kid fail a little bit more, you know, like, oh, well, they're getting extra help in home act because, you know, their motor skills aren't great and they might cut themselves with the scissors. I'm like, I want to be on the side of the spectrum that's cutting themselves with the scissors. Like, I get that you don't want bleeding kids, but like, I think this idea of like, we have to protect kids from bad experiences is something to fight against. But in the time you happened to be out of town, like there's no way, there's no world in which you would be like, well, honey, I'm just going to leave you at the abandoned bus stop far in the wilds of, you know, New York City, because I'm trying to teach you to learn. But those experiences will come up for everybody, but try to pull. I think the fact that you go away when your kids have other things to do is like helping that situation, you know? It's already helping. And that's the like in CrossFit. I'm not a CrossFitter, but my husband is. They do something called muscle confusion, which in the point of that is like you change up your workouts all the time. I mean, I like to do the same thing when I work out and because it's safe and it's comfortable and it's fun. And it's in order for growth to occur, you have to like you know, today I'm going to like shake this crazy rope and tomorrow I'm going to like, you know, row for 200 miles, whatever, because you're confusing your muscles and you're putting them in constantly new situations. And that's how you get stronger and bigger or whatever your goals are by being in the new unusual, whoa, I've never had to do this before. And so it's true for our emotional health as well, right? The my kid, yeah, I would never have put him in that situation, but yeah, he's Mr. Tough Guy now that he got through it. Well, and that does... I mean, my, we were talking, my sister had an opportunity because we had a family who lived near us to go overseas as a teenager to like go to France and like spend the summer with a family basically. 
And my mom put her on a plane by herself at 15 to France. She didn't really speak French. And the family forgot the day she was coming and didn't pick her up at the airport. And like now that would be a situation that involved like 4,000 calls and texts. But eventually my sister figured out how to buy a phone card and called home. And then my mom called the neighbor whose friends it was. And they called and said, oh, my God, we thought it was tomorrow because whatever with time change or whatever happened, we had the wrong day. We're on our way to pick her up now. And then my mom basically had said to my sister, I'm going to get in touch with them and just wait until they get there. And they eventually did. Like, I think it's just good to remember those stories and realize that, like, I feel like this in terms of like a moment's discomfort. Like I've said this before, Louis C.K., not in favor right now, but like had a hilarious joke where like when the Wi-Fi doesn't work on your plane, it's like, how am I supposed to live like this? The Wi-Fi is not working on the plane. And he's like, you have defeated gravity. You're 35,000 feet in the air speeding towards a destination. Like the miracle of flight. And you're like, no Wi-Fi, you know? And like, we all have this problem now. And so like, no, does it mean like someone should be like, no Wi-Fi for you. You need to appreciate the miracle of flight. It's not going to happen. We've passed that. But I think that this has been a good conversation for me just in terms of like, It's always fine to be kind. It's always fine to help your kid. But when you see patterns emerge where you are constantly the person solving the problem, you need to build some scaffolding and let your kids start solving that problem for themselves. Doctor, heal thyself because like my morning routine, it needs a major, major revisit. Can I leave you with a quote from Dr. Robin Berman? Is she going to tell me how to stop my kid from yelling at me in the morning when it's cold and dark? No, but she is going to tell you that if you want to have happy kids, you have to teach them to tolerate being unhappy. Ugh. Now that I could use on a t-shirt. I know. Well, and I think I would take it a step further. If you want to have happy kids, you have to help them to understand that life involves some significant amount of unhappiness. And discomfort and... Right. Stress. And yep. And that happiness is not necessarily the goal. Like, it's funny. I make this joke sometimes with my kids. We were going to the movies the other day. We got there early. So there was a home goods store next. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll get some decorative pumpkins, whatever. And my kid, my tween was like, why are we doing this? And I was like, because certain people have parents who just like to torture them. That's why. Like, why else would we ever do anything that makes you unhappy? I guess because I just live to make your life hellacious by making you look at decorative gourds instead of sitting in the movie theater lobby for 45 minutes, you know? And of course that like made his head explode. He got madder than ever. But yeah, like sometimes we do what you want to do. Sometimes we do what I want to do. Sometimes it goes smoothly and sometimes you end up on hell bus, you know, like, sorry, that's the thing that like we don't spend our lives clearing every obstacle out of the way because spoiler alert, life is kind of hard. But on the other hand, if you have like a third grader who's crying because it's gym day and she forgot her sneakers and you're two blocks from school, bring the sneakers and don't feel bad about it. Right. And everything like I'm afraid to give my kid a bath because they don't like baths and I don't want them not like baths for life. Put your kid in the bathtub. Bring your kid to lunch. Like none of these small decisions are defining how your child's life turns out. But just challenge yourself. It's a long arc, guys. And so... Don't worry about the sleepover. Don't worry about the lunch. Don't worry about the like, you really seem overwhelmed today. Stay home from school. It's all fine. Those decisions. When you see patterns of badness, then you've got to act. Guys, we solved this one. This one is locked up tight. Solved. We want to know how you're dealing with this. Do you pick up your kids from sleepovers? I'm assuming you do. Please do that if they call crying. You can come to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash What Fresh Hellcast. You can join our What Fresh Hell podcast group, which is this amazing group of moms who give each other advice and they're all fans of the podcast. So you know, they're cool. Very cool. You can also find us on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast and on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And we didn't have so many studies today. We had a few articles that I will put up on our show page, which is at WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. 
Come and just see Amy's studies. She works so hard on them, you guys. You can also flip up, I think, on your app and see them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swipe, tap. It's all there. Mm -hmm. Swipe, tap. Guys, come find us wherever we are online. Tell a friend about the podcast on our anniversary. Go to What Fresh Hell Podcast to get yourself some merch. I mean, do it all, guys. It's our anniversary and you want to make us happy. Time to celebrate. Time to celebrate by coming to find us online. And with that, guys, we will talk to you next week. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.